on their mouth. Mouth don't throw punches. Punches throw punches. The fight happens in the ring. Are you ready, champ? Like, like I cannot not be ready, right? Like, I ain't been doing my job for eight to ten weeks, right? Okay, okay. Like, I got here overnight, right? What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 164 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing podcast here on TheBoxingRant.com. I'm Kenny Keith, and I am joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's going on, brother? Uh, what do we get? The uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly this this weekend in boxing. And uh, one hell of a arm punch left hook <laughs> from from none other than Leon Lawson Jr., who is still on the loose. Yes, Vin, the doors are locked. <laughs> and uh, let's be careful what we say about, uh, you know, outlaw Leon here. Right. Okay, because he's still in the area. <laughs> he's still in the area. Uh, drama brought to us on uh, Showtime Championship Boxing, Jose Uzcatagai and Andre Durrell. We'll get to all of that. Lawson on the loose. But it was a busy weekend in boxing. We have a ton of, uh, of post-fight to get to mm-hmm. um, from Madison Square Garden all the way to London, England, and back to here in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, a robbery in Japan. And, of course, before we get to the preview of uh, one of the big fights of the year, Kell Brook defends his IBF welterweight title against the truth, Errol Spence, finally getting his shot. And, and going against one of the best welterweights in the world, but coming off of a huge fight against Gennady Golovkin. Dude, I'll tell you right now, man, Kell Brook and, uh, and, and Errol Spence is something I'm looking forward to previewing, but guess what? It's just not going to happen on this episode. No, sir. No, sir. I know we promised it, but it deserves its own standalone show. Yeah. Ben, I'll tell you right now, this is a huge fight. Yeah, this is one hell of a fight, one of the most intriguing fights of the year. No doubt about it, and we'll get to all of that. But we'd like to thank all of you for tuning in to episode 164 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing podcast here on theboxingrant.com. Be sure to subscribe to the show today on iTunes, Spreaker, and Google Play. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel and look for the upcoming series of short boxing videos on the Boxing Rant YouTube channel from Vin and myself as we bring you the new series, Flash Knockdown, coming your way. Very, very soon. Ooh. Just a few days away, man. <laughs> Just a few days away. Um, but, Vin, I would be remiss if I didn't say happy anniversary, bud. Oh, is, is it our anniversary today? <laughs> it, it is our anniversary. Although we've been friends for 20-plus years, Vin, it is the three-year anniversary of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know we listened to a, a few clips of some old episodes before we started. Ones that are no longer posted for the public. Uh, holy shit. If anybody listened to that, I apologize. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, people always, you know, tweet or DM or send messages or email, um, always asking about, you know, hey, I'm thinking about starting a boxing podcast. What equipment should I use? You know, what should I do, you know, to get started? How did you get started? And I'm like, well, I could uh, give you the link to episode one of the tale of the tape and tell you what not to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> Either way, man, going three years strong. Hey, we made it. We made it. Episode one was the preview for uh, Carl Frotch versus George Groves Part 2 from Wembley Stadium. This seems like yesterday. And it was a fumbling, bumbling, retarded mess. (laughs) (laughs) One of these days we'll break open the archives then. I don't know, man. We're on kind of a good streak. Don't want to halt the momentum, huh? Right. Oh, man. All right. So, uh, well, let's get started with episode 164. Let's roll. All right. We're going to start at Madison Square Garden. It was HBO, the unified WBC and WBO 
junior welterweight champion of the world. Terrence Crawford squaring off against the Olympic gold medalist, Felix Diaz. Then I kept it very short and very, very much to the point. Terrence Crawford too tall. Terrence Crawford too long. Terrence Crawford too strong. I predicted an eighth-round knockout. The fight should have been stopped in the ninth. They finally throw in the towel in the tenth. What an unbelievably dominant performance by, I have to say right now, man, Golovkin and Sergey are still right there for me at the, at, the, at the very top of the mythical rankings. But I'm telling you right now, regardless of what you think about Felix Diaz or anybody for that matter, Terrence Crawford and Vasil Lomachenko might be the two best fighters in the world right now. Uh, yeah, I was thinking the same exact thing after watching that fight. I mean, how can you not think that? Terrence Crawford is just so goddamn good. He is just on a different level. Felix Diaz is a hell of a fighter. This is and a guy with a great amateur pedigree and has had a very good run as a professional fighter. Terrence Crawford made him look like a journeyman, an absolute journeyman. And what I liked more than anything out of Crawford's performance last night was he turned up the aggression a little bit. He went for it a little bit more than he was in the past. And, you know, we saw him turn the corner a little bit with media this week. You know, I I, I like to see that. And I it translated into the ring with a crowd-pleasing performance. Uh, I, I, the sky is the fucking limit for this dude, man. I, I, I really... You're exactly right. It's him and Lomachenko skills wise in this sport right now. One and two. Yeah, they're they're the only guys that are like truly separating themselves from, you know, the level of competition that they're fighting against. And I'll tell you what, man, Terrence Crawford last night, um, he stayed in the South Paul stance the entire fight. Um, really was able to implement a nice jab in the early rounds. You know, he stuck with it a lot, but then once Felix Diaz realized, you know, probably around the fifth or sixth round, like, okay. This is the only chance I have is to go for it. Right. When Felix Diaz started to go for it, the pot shots, the counter shots, they were coming so thunderous and so quickly from Terrence Crawford. I mean, one thing that 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 I thought I was going to be wrong on in my three points of too, of too tall, too long, too strong mm-hmm. was the too strong part because when Felix Diaz came into the ring, he was big, and I looked at him, and then I heard he weighed in day of the fight at 161 pounds holy shit dude i didn't know if terrence crawford was going to be able to seal the deal but it just turned into an absolute bludgeoning in the second half of this fight it was impressive uh yeah it's it's one of the performances i think maybe the best performance that i can think of recently that sticks out for him i mean just proving proving that there is levels and he is on a different one i you know the talk has now moved to Ndongo and unifying the division, unifying all the belts. And I'm I'm cool with that. If that's what he wants to do, that's fine. To me, I mean, that fight is a formality, man. Ndongo does not stand a fucking chance in hell in that fight. That'll be the first time that a, um, uh, a unified champion's held all four belts since Jermaine Taylor took all four belts from Bernard Hopkins. Yep, yep, you're exactly right. Um, but you know what, man, look, he said it in the post fight before he even mentioned Adango's name. The first thing that came out of his mouth was Pacquiao. Yeah. So if there's a Pacquiao fight to be made, he said, it's not up to me. He goes, oh, okay. Or if not Pacquiao, how about Ndongo? Where are you at? Where are you at, Ndongo? And he goes, I don't care. Keith Thurman. Come on, let's do it. I mean, 
I think he wants to fight anybody. I think he is so, so supremely confident in the ring. This guy is a total fucking wrecking machine. He, he is. is a bulldog. He is malice. He is hate. He is just this this stifling energy in the ring where you do not stand a chance because Terrence Crawford has a fucking chin. And if you start messing with him, and it's so funny, I'm sitting there with my wife watching it last night, and I make one comment about, oh, Diaz is having success. This isn't going to be good for Diaz. Sure enough, Jim Lampley chimes in like right away and says, yeah, usually when you start getting to Crawford, uh, that's bad news for you. <laughs> right. We've always said, yeah. do you start hitting on him? He, the, the dog comes out in Terrence Crawford. And I can see why sort of the incidents that he's had outside of the ring they sort of translate late from it, it you know it's like this uh you know this sort of like 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 afterglow um about Terrence Crawford that resonates outside of the ring it carries over that nastiness that mean streak don't fuck with me kind of attitude mm-hmm. he does not care max kellerman says so uh so terrence uh we see that you went in there southpaw so what was your strategy in fighting him southpaw T- uh, bud crawford goes well, because I felt like fighting Southpaw. So you didn't have like any strategy going in there where you thought you could have an advantage over Felix Diaz by fighting Southpaw. He's like, Max, I just told you. I fought Southpaw because I felt like fighting Southpaw. He did what he wanted to do. I do what I want. I do what <laughs> I want. Hey, look, another thing I noticed last night is in some of those exchanges, to me, you can see if you focus on Terrence Crawford in those exchanges – he almost looks like he sees everything coming at him slower than it's happening, and he picks his shots so goddamn nicely, and he's so calm in the exchange. He's not flailing wild punches. He's placing shots, and it's a fucking thing of beauty to watch, man. Uh, you know, I, I'm glad he was able to put a performance like this on because you, you kind of started to feel like we talked about it in the preview show. Uh-huh. This kid's career was starting to teeter a little bit on where are we going here? Is, is his outside-of-the-ring bullshit going to ruin his career? Uh, y- you keep putting on performances like that. Stop fucking around outside the ring, which I think he's a smart enough kid that this is not going to be a repeat thing for him. So, look, I'm, I'm happy for him, man. That's, that's the biggest thing that comes out of this fight for me with him. Yeah, uh, you know, again, I'm, you see all these people clamoring on social media, you know, for what's next. Obviously, they're the vast majority of the casual fan base, they don't give a fuck about unifying titles, nor they, do they understand what it means to unify, nor do they even know how many titles there are. Right. So all they care about is, oh, yeah, but I'd be watching him Ellie Secback videos, and I'd be seeing Mikey Garcia calling him out. So <laughs> I'm saying it's Mikey Garcia going to wreck Terrence Crawford, you know? Uh, I, really, I really, look, I will go as far as saying that Mikey Garcia stands a decent fight against Lomachenko and that he'll probably beat Jorge Linares. And Jorge Linares is one of the very best in the sport. Uh, We're all talking about top 10 guys in the sport right now. Right. But I really draw the line there because Terrence Crawford is so much bigger than Mikey Garcia. Yeah. And I hate to break it to you, man. Terrence Crawford fucking waxes Mikey Garcia just like he did in the amateurs. You ain't getting no argument for me. I, I, I could see that happening. I mean, look, you just said it. Size, power, speed, all advantages. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. No, he, he wins easily. As a Terrence Crawford fan, as a boxing fan, you being a diehard Keith Thurman fan, I love that fight at 147. Uh, yeah. Love I love it. I love it too, but I'm sorry, Keith. Mm-hmm. I love you, brother, but uh, you're going to catch the you, – you're going to get taken to pound town that night, buddy. Yeah. 
Yeah, you really see the difference in, uh, in you know, and look, Terrence Crawford, he, he doesn't, he doesn't have that excuse that a lot of people, you know, put on Danny Garcia and, uh, you know, his contemporaries, Danny Garcia, Amir Khan, Keith Thurman, guys that have been relatively inactive. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Terrence Crawford hasn't been very, very active. No. Recently, especially in the last year. So, but it doesn't seem to affect him inside the ring because I feel like Terrence Crawford is a fighter. He's not a guy that fights to get paid. He is a guy that regardless if he was one of the best fighters in the world, one of the best boxers in the world, it wouldn't matter. If he was doing something else, he would still be fighting because that's what he does. Yeah, and he was born to do it, and I think that's what's being proven when you watch him in the ring now. And and, and look, you know, I'm sure people are going to say, you guys are fucking, you're being a prisoner of the the moment right now. You're caught Mm -hmm. up and you just watched it. No. It, 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 this is not that. This is respect for a man who was one hell of a fighter. Yeah, and what you know, dude, we said it through all of our previews, all all you know, all of our bits on this. We were highly critical of the way that he has been managed and has managed his his public relations persona out out there in the world. His the way that he is perceived in the media and across the sports world. We have criticized that heavily because mm-hmm. it is a huge black cloud that hangs over. Uh, Terrence Crawford's career, but there is no doubting it. I said in that little quick hits video, that little two-minute video that I did on on YouTube, that all of the things that go on outside of the ring, it doesn't matter because when Terrence Crawford gets in the ring, this is what we see. Mm -hmm. He proves it to us time and time again. Um, It's only a matter of time now. I'd love to see the next fight. Look, I, I'm not, I'm not keeping my fingers crossed for the Pacquiao fight, Vin. I'm not. I'm not either. Because um, I don't, I don't think Pacquiao needs that right now. So that's why I don't think it happens. And Terrence Crawford's already admitted that the, the, the ball is in Pacquiao's court as it pertains to that. Right. Here's the path I take if I'm Terrence Crawford, and this is exactly what I think is going to happen. I think you're going to see Terrence Crawford is going to unify against Ndongo, mm-hmm. and then he's going to move up. And for his welterweight debut, he's going to take on a guy like a Jesse Vargas. That's exactly what I was thinking. It makes perfect sense. It's all, it's all in-house, top rank. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, that's where the path should lead. I mean, after he unifies at 140, there's there's no up-and-comer to sit around and wait for. Uh, it's time to move on. It's time to fight some guys that are a little bit more your size. And uh, let's see if this is for real, for real. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, I mean, that's that's – look – we just want challenges. It doesn't matter if it's Terrence Crawford or any of the best fighters in the world. We right, just want to see these guys get pushed. Right, I want I want to see if Keith Thurman puts one of them wild looping shots on his chin. Does he hold up? And he will because Crawford has shown to get hit by the wild looping shots because sometimes when Crawford gets a little too cozy, he backs out with his hands down and his chin up. Felix Diaz, you know, clipped him a couple times. Now, maybe, look, we, we talk about how smart Terrence Crawford is inside of the ring. Mm-hmm. Maybe he utilizes a bit more of that ring IQ and doesn't put himself in those situations against a guy that he knows that can hurt him. Right, right. Um, either way, that's all mental masturbation. I think the fact remains is that, uh, you know, Terrence Crawford, man, let's run it back. Let's go. Come yeah. on. Let's get this Ndongo fight done. Let's see that thing sometime around July 4th weekend. Let's do it. Yeah, at least by uh, September, October at the latest. Yeah. You know, yeah, I guess July 4th might be a, a little bit too soon. Right. But, dude, I just want to see him back in the ring. Mm-hmm. I want to see his next fight in December, and then we see him again next June. Is he going to have court issues that hold him back? <sighs> I don't know. He's got court pretty soon, doesn't he? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. I mean, if he – yeah, there could be a three- or four-month stint he has to do. Yep. Um, you know, past transgressions do have a way to come back and haunt you. 
for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, so Terrence Crawford um, puts on just an impressive performance. And, and one last note on his performance as it relates to the crowd, since we are equal opportunity here when it comes to putting fights in the wrong venues and how it can equate into a lackluster uh, attendance in the crowd. We all knew that this was a lower bowl show at Madison Square Garden. Right. We knew this. But looking at the crowd, it looked like a fucking PBC uh, crowd at the Barclays. It looked like Peter Quillen versus Danny Jacobs. 8,000 people kind of scat like, like packed tight, but then kind of scattered at the top of the lower bowl. So I'm like, okay, this isn't going to lend anything to the fight. But I think the performance and the show, the spectacle um, of, 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 of just world-class elite talent actually had that crowd involved in the fight. They were loving it. Oh, and the uh, lead-in fight knockout didn't hurt either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll get the juices flowing. Yeah. All right, Ray Beltran versus Jonathan Mycello. Ben, when this fight started, I honestly, in the first round or two, I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, Ray Bel- Beltran looks like he's getting old. Yeah. I was like, man, he is, he's getting hit. He's slow to the trigger. I didn't know he was playing cat and mouse with this guy, or maybe he wasn't. Maybe he just called him at the right time. I don't know. But I was not impressed with Ray, Ray Beltran early. Maybe that's because Micella was a little bit aggressive with mm-hmm. some of his power punching. Maybe it caught him off guard and he came in cold into the fight. But the way this thing ended and how this thing ended with that shot from Ray Beltran heard round the world, dude, I'm telling you right now, I know we say it all the time, this may not be the knockout of the year, but we have another candidate, folks. Oh, yeah. I mean, what a, what a year of just vicious, savage fucking knockouts, man. And, and look, Ray Beltran, you know, he earns his shot with this. And he if there's a fighter that's earned it, it is him. But you always have to keep him in the back of your mind. And it's too bad for him, but I'm sorry. Just the, the, the lingering performance-enhancing drug bullshit with, with his career, and it always makes you want to question. It does, Vince. no matter what. Did you run that by Gabe Montoya before you thought about saying anything about PEDs? Did you get I, approval? I did not, no, actually. I'm sorry, Gabe. I, I apologize. Uh, I'll pay whatever rights, fees, or whatever it is you charge for me speaking on the subject that you are God on. Okay, now that we got that disclaimer out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, Ken, uh, you know, for Beltran to be able to pull something like that off, he need he needs something like that to be able to sell himself as a fighter. Absolutely, he he did that last night. I'm not so sure that this is uh, you know anybody better than Marcelo is going to beat Ray Beltran. He is what he is when he gets up against the best in the world. That was a little fucking mini war though, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it, it was I mean, great. It was over in two rounds and it was it was quick, but it was fucking nonstop yeah. while it lasted. I loved it. I loved it. It was. Uh... I didn't expect that. No, I did not either. I think it was, uh, you know, outside of uh, of Outlaw Leon's uh, straight left or abbreviated left. Left hook. Le- yeah, whatever. Um, I think that this was probably the surprise of the night. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, but, yeah, uh, it, it definitely got everybody live for um, for Terrence Crawford. It got the fight fans in the mood. That was that kind of crowd at MSG. You know, sometimes you get eight or 9,000 diehards packed in. You're going to get some kind of fireworks going on. You can feel the tension. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, Ray Beltran has now earned his shot. He will face the winner of Robert Easter versus Dennis Shavikov. I said it before in the last episode, Vin. Love Dennis Shavikov. I think this guy is your ultimate grinder. Mm-hmm. I think he has earned a career as a grinder. He has earned this shot against Robert Easter because he grinds. 
But it's all going to grind to a halt then. Yes, it <laughs> definitely. When, is. when he actually fights Robert Easter. Yeah, I don't. I don't see Easter's just too talented for those guys, man. Too I, talented, too long, too good of a boxer. They they just won't do very well at all. I will say this though, since we are assuming what's going to happen is going to happen, and it's going to be Robert Easter versus Ray Beltran. Mm-hmm. I still love the fight because I think Beltran can still give this guy fits. Does Bel- that deal get done though? If it's mandated, I you know how the IBF is. They'll fucking strip his ass if he doesn't honor it. I, I mean, but I'm talking about does that deal get done between Al Heyman and Top Rank? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Well, uh, Top Rank's going to win the purse bid. I mean, we, we <laughs> <laughs> we've seen we've seen Al farm out the fucking guys that uh, let's let's cash this guy out. Yeah. We haven't really seen him send out one of his big guns. Well, what's uh, he? Yeah, but here's my question. For a guy who's off the radar, isn't really mainstream, nobody really knows who Robert Easter is outside of the diehards. Right. What's plan B? Because these guys are inactive. There never seems to be a plan B. So I don't think Robert Easter can afford dropping the IBF belt unless there is something guaranteed lined up for him to get a shot at another title, unless he moves up in weight class, right. which is very likely, because once Terrence Crawford moves out of 140, guess what? It's Robert Easter's for the taking. Yeah, you're exactly right, and get there before Lomachenko gets there yeah. and everybody that's on their way up. But I think Al Heyman makes the fight because Al Heyman knows that Robert Easter can beat Ray Beltran. That's why it gets done. And Ray Beltran is old. He's already got seven losses, and he may be in this new revival part of his career. But Bob knows you got to cash out with a title shot. Absolutely, yeah. He's reached. This is his final shot. They know that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So Ray Beltran with some fireworks against Jonathan uh, Micello. Shakur Stevenson back in action, Vin. I know how big you are on uh, guys in their second career fight getting a lot of shine on the show. <laughs> Give me a break, man. But at least Stevenson was was uh, action-packed to the point and got the bum out of there like he was supposed to. Right. I, look, I don't mind watching this kid develop. That's fine. But like I like I said before, you know, I'll pick it up at like fight, fight eight or nine when there starts to be at least some semblance of a foe against him in the fucking ring. Vin, you're going to watch it and you're going to like it. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Simple as that. I'm a free man, brother. <laughs> Some America. All right. So uh, that does it for Madison Square Garden, man. There's a fucking just a card that I was not as high on as I wanted to be. Right. Turned out to deliver maximum entertainment. Yeah, Loved it. Delivered on every level. Absolutely. All right. So let's go to jolly old England, Vin. As it was TMT's very own star pupil of Floyd Mayweather there to absorb all the shine. But there was a brief period of time in the ring where Gervonta Davis had all eyes on him. Tank Davis, the kid from Baltimore, defending his 130-pound crown against Liam Walsh. Vince, I told you in the preview it was going to be a left hook that did the deal, that sealed the deal. Gervonta Davis was going to knock this kid out with a left hook. I had no freaking idea that it, there would be about six left hooks in a 10-punch combination that would end up just embarrassing Liam Walsh down to the canvas. Yeah, the, you could tell right when that fight started, about a minute into that fight. I kind of I had this feeling when they got in the ring. I, I, I wanted to give Walsh a chance in this fight, but only for the reasons that we stated in the preview of Gravanta Davis just still being having that slight bit of unprovenness to him and, and being so young. But when they got in the ring, I went, man, this this ain't good for Liam Walsh, man. This this, I, you could just you got to give Gravante Davis the respect of he at twenty two years old, 
is on a level that you don't find very many 22-year-olds on. No. He proved in that fight that he was a man. Liam Walsh tried to grab hold of him. Get the fuck off of me, son. <laughs> I'm going to put you down. The ref almost got to a point where he, where he tried to break it up. He's like, never mind. Davis fucking shrugs him off like a linebacker shrugging off a block and fucking goes to town with left hooks. Yeah. I, it was it was a, you know, I'm not going to say I'm shocked by the performance or I didn't expect to see that, but to be out of the country, to be 22 years old, defending your belt for the first time, biggest crowd you've ever been in front of, and to be able to put on a performance like that, and the kid has arrived, period, 100%. There's no there's no questions. This kid is good, very good. Yeah, man. Uh, he's the real deal. Yeah. He is. He's the real deal. I loved, loved, loved the Michael Jackson beat an entrance, boy. <laughs> that was the shit. <laughs> His fucking outfit was perfect. It was, man. Yeah, it was great, man. Um, look, this kid's got a very bright future. Yeah. A very bright future. As long as he doesn't try to – look, look – before I give Floyd too much fucking grief over this and uh, and disrespect, you know, Javante Davis's ability to make his own decisions as a man, I actually think that it's been proven just with a 22-year-old and I guess even younger at the time, 20 to 21-year-old, having the balls to sort of step up to Floyd Mayweather in the media and call him out for not giving him the attention that his skills and, and future path deserve Mm -hmm. and it seems that now floyd sees what he has understands and floyd's a smart guy he understands the boxing market and that if you want to gain true momentum you need to take your fighter to england and that's what he did he had a uk audience tuned into that that may have never even seen gervonta davis fight before Mm -hmm. never now he has a uk audience built in in the most rampant and most diehard boxing fan base in the world. It was smart promoting. It was. I will go as far as saying, Floyd, this was genius promoting. All the way up until the question was asked in the post-fight about if he was going to fight Conor McGregor. It's all the way up until he's got to be in the view of the fucking camera the whole time. He's like, uh, what was it? Remember when Suge Knight came up at the, uh, the, the rap show, and he's like, if y'all don't want your produce all up in the videos and all up in your shit, He's like, come over to the, come over to the West Coast, baby. That's kind of what it feels like with Floyd. Like, get the, get out of here, move. It's not about you, man. And we don't fucking care about McGregor Mayweather and that jackass who even asked that question. I, I, it has to be asked. Uh, yeah, it, it has to be asked. Right. Uh, fuck you. It does not have to be asked. That has that shit had nothing to do with Mayweather. <laughs> and it was, it, dude. It was annoying. It was fucking annoying. What would have been a cherry on the top of a great promotion and even probably added more distance onto the catapulting of Gervonta Davis's career is if he would have ripped the microphone out of that guy's hand and say, listen, motherfucker, the uh, spotlight's on me. Yes. Uh, the whole time before the fight started, you, I'm, I'm, I'm watching Floyd whisper in his fucking ear. I don't know who God knows whatever the fuck that idiot's saying. And I'm just sitting there saying to myself, do not. Listen to this man. Do yourself. Block that bullshit out, please. Gravanta Davis needs to be Gravanta Davis, not Floyd Mayweather 2.0. Because we saw it in a fight a few, that was three, four fights ago. Remember, he was ringside, coming up to the corner during the fight. To step back, Floyd. Get, don't ruin this kid, please, for the sport of boxing. Because this kid is an exciting fighter. He is nothing 
not one fucking iota anywhere near what Floyd Mayweather was as a fighter. Yeah, Javante might might get a spot on my undercard versus Conor McGregor. Him and him and Badu Jack. First of all, wait a second. Before we we're on this McGregor Mayweather, we bullshit, have to talk about this. I don't want to, but I, here's what here's what I'm going to say. There's all this fucking talk of Dana White making this deal with Conor McGregor. The only deal that was made is a fucking purse split from the UFC. What is the UFC going to get out of whatever money Conor McGregor gets? There's no. They didn't give him a value, a money amount yet, because that's up to Floyd. That's not up to Dana White and Conor McGregor. They may want to think that their dick is the biggest in this contest, but it ain't. So all you did was devise the purse split between the UFC and Conor McGregor on what they get. That means nothing. Yeah. This fight is not fucking happening. Conor McGregor and Dana White worked out an arrangement that allows Conor McGregor to fight outside of the UFC. That's all it was. Yep. That's all it was. Because even Dana White can say, hey, if uh, if this thing comes off and Conor can make 60 or $70 million, we take in 35 or $40 million. Exactly. That's all that was. I, I completely agree. Because, look, the bottom line is this. If there, if, if there is anybody that, 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 that can't wait to see that fight that actually listens to this fucking podcast, Ugh. there's one thing known about Floyd Mayweather when it comes to negotiations. It ain't official. Until fucking Floyd announces it. So until Floyd goes on his Snapchatogram or whatever the fuck that app is that he announced um, uh, Mayweather Pacquiao on, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, the one that he owns. Yeah. You know what I that mean? That nobody uses. So Brian King uses it. He's the only one. <laughs> He's the only one. But no, I mean, you know, in all seriousness, I mean, dude, stop fucking talking about the fight. Right. Until Floyd announces it. And Vince, this will be the last time I ever talk about this fucking fight again. Yeah. No, Until I, Floyd announces it. Move on. I don't even want to talk about it if he announces it. I just had to get that out of the way because people are thinking some type of shit is happening because of that dumbass deal. You hating, Vin. I know. That's what I do. I do hate the best. <laughs> Drinking that purple haterade today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That's good stuff, man. Um, so, Javante Davis had to re-weigh in three times leading up to this fight. Yeah. All right. What does that tell you? Does that mean that he's got to move up to 135 soon? No, that tells me that he went to England. Not He should have gone over a week earlier than he did and got acclimated and, and, and assimilated to it. Like he's 0.2 pounds. I, I, you know, it's if it was like, like a, a pound and a half, two pounds, would you be worried? Yeah. I think he just they just miscalculated. Whatever, whatever they were doing, they miscalculated a little bit. I think that kid's a 130-pound fighter. He made the second-day IBF weigh-in at 140, so... To me, I, yeah, I don't see him going anywhere right now. I've, eventually, yeah, he's 22 years old, so you get to the mid-20s, yes, he's going to be moving up. Showtime provided us with a continuous international transition back to the U.S. boxing feed. It was like, what, five hours of boxing? It was crazy. <laughs> yeah. There was so much boxing going on between like 5 and 8 o'clock on Showtime that I literally had forgot that there was a PBC card and that Terrence Crawford was fighting. My wife was like, are you getting tired? You know, you, you were here last night. We had a little barbecue. Right. It's a long day. Yeah. It's a long day. It's like, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm ready for bed, too. And I look at the clock. It's like 9.15. And I was like, oh, shit. Terrence Crawford fight's coming on. Yeah, at 10. I better go chug two beers so I can get it back real quick. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so your boy was in action. One, yeah. of your, one of your very favorite. You have, have, have actually been down in the D.C. streets promoting it putting up uh, signs on every telephone pole, <laughs> shouting it from the street corners about the three Garys in action. Yeah. 
Gary Russell Jr. Uh, returns to the ring against Oscar Escandone. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll, I'll say this. Look, Gary still has some pretty fast reflexes. And he put himself in so many precarious and lazy situations in that fight where he had to utilize his hand speed to get himself out of it. Right. Because he allowed an inferior physical fighter. Now, Oscar Escandone is a short, stocky, strong, solid-looking dude, mm-hmm. thick from chest to back. No doubt about it. But he let this guy who was, if Gary is a nine on, on the reflex scale, Escandone's like a one and a half. And he allowed Escandone to hit him to the body far too much for my liking, which yeah. is probably why he's fighting guys like Esser, Oscar Escandone. Yeah, look, man, the, the, that performance to me was uh, one of the more not unimpressive performances that we've seen from Gary Russell Jr. I kind of saw in my eyes last night that inactivity is starting to hurt him. Big time. He, Big does, time. he does not have the timing. All he has is hand speed. He doesn't really have the power either. It takes him. He is not a guy that lands one clean shot and you're done. He needs to land successive three, four punch combination to hurt you and put you down. He's talking about moving up already. He's talking about the end of his fucking career already. You haven't even had one yet. (laughs) You have no career yet. This, This guy is so fucking lost in this sport, man. I don't care how good you are. You ain't never going to cut it, Jack, because I'm, I'm sorry. What I saw last night, impressive as it may be, Gary Russell Jr. is a good fighter. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you really want to get iced again by Lomachenko? Because it'll be worse this time around. Lomachenko's got better. Gary Russell has not gotten any better. No, he just he, – the, the only reason he, – he, he wants no part. He was so embarrassed and – the just ridiculous, incoherent sort of excuses that followed in the aftermath of that loss. Oh, yeah, you know, this happened and that happened. And no, you lived up to your reputation of a guy that gets into a trash bag and into a sauna for the last week of all your camps, sometimes even the last few weeks of your camps. A guy who doesn't train seriously, doesn't do anything. You can tell he doesn't do anything in between fights. You can tell. He's not interested in boxing. So why would a guy who is not interested in boxing be at the gym working out in his spare time? It's his job. He only goes to work if he has to. He's like me. I don't go to work if I don't have to. If I don't have to, I'd rather just sit upstairs and freaking watch TV and go outside <laughs> and cut the grass. Well, Look, it's like people, are, it's like he's been told since God knows what age that, son, you have all the tools to be an all-time great. You have all the tools to be a champion right now. There's no need, and he views that as well. There's no need for me to uh, sharpen or hone any of these skills or improve or add to my repertoire. I'm fucking good enough to be the best right now. Nope. Sorry, that's not how it works in professional boxing, Mr. Gary Russell Jr. He's fought one fighter in the prime of their career, one world-class fighter in the prime of their career Yeah, in 28 fights, one. And he got waxed. And if it wasn't for the wax that was in Lisa Giampa's eyes that night of, Lo- <laughs> of Lomachenko versus Gary Russell at the StubHub Center. Yes. Um, look, he can keep name dropping Lomachenko all, all he wants to. He can, keep, he can keep saying he's moving to 130. Look, he doesn't want to fight Carl Frampton. He doesn't want to fight Leo Santa Cruz. Because I don't think after the Lomachenko fight that Gary Russell believes in himself past fighting the level of fighter 
of Oscar Escandone. No disrespect to Oscar Escandone, but the truth is Gary Russell wants no part of those guys. Let me go up to 130 where I can be blocked in again because there's nobody on my side of the street that fights at 130. Yeah. You think they're going to make the fight against Javante Davis? Hell no. Nope. Gurry nope. won't make it. If Gurry lets the shots that Escandone landed on him in a fight against Javante Davis, second-round knockout. Yeah, he's going to get hurt. He doesn't have the power to move up and wait, in my opinion, and he's not big enough. Well, he did against Johnny Gonzalez, Vin. Oh. Jo- Johnny Gonzalez had, had only been knocked out seven times in his career leading up to that fight. <laughs> I had a back and forth Val Bernstein after the fight on Twitter, and he said he's beaten two quality fighters in his career. And I said, who's the other one after Loma? And he said, <laughs> Johnny Gonzalez. And I said, Al, Al, come on, Al. <laughs> come on, Al. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, look, as much as we love Al, He's still, uh, he's still got that showtime in his blood. Yeah, you know <laughs> Al's I mean? my guy, man. I like Al. Nah, he's a good guy. Um, all right, let's get away from Gurry. It's a little bit uh, too much too much focus on a guy that doesn't have the focus to stay relevant in the sport. So we'll see you next year, Gurry. Let's get to what really mattered that night, Ken. Let's get to the good stuff. Here we go. <laughs> all right, so Jose Uscatagai versus Andre Durrell for the IBF interim super uh, middleweight title. Now, I guess there's a lot on the line for the winner of this fight because of the path that the IBF's 168-pound crown has taken. But what this turned out to be, Vin, and I'll let you take it after after I say this, this turned out to be what every Andre Durrell fight has been. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just This is typical Durrell. Uh, guy, Tough as fuck, boy. <laughs> God damn, he is a tough son of a bitch. He took bare knuckle shots. Look, man, it, when it comes to Andre Durrell and, and his fights, it, I, I'm sorry. Stop playing victim, Andre. I, you were knocked out already. I understand that last shot landed after the bell. Nobody is disputing whether it did or didn't. What What's being disputed is, is that he was a mid-three-punch combination. The, the emotion had already been set for that punch to be thrown before the bell had been rung. So, yes, it is what it was, a shot after the bell. If he can't continue, then you stop the fight and you go to the scorecards. If you want to take a point from Muscata guy for that late punch, go ahead and do it. You do not do what happened in that fight, which is uh, immediately disqualify the fighter, declare Darrell the winner while he's laid out, what happened to give a man five minutes to recover? And on top of that, the fucking referee, when he initially gets up on his, when Darrell goes down, gets up on his hands, referee looks at him and says, are you all right? Darrell says, yes. Again, ask him again, are you all right? Yes. Well, Darrell takes a peek to his corner. I don't see what's said. I don't know what's said. I'm not going to claim 100% to know this is as the case, but I'm telling you fucking what. They said, go down, son. Get down. We need a DQ. It was inevitable what was happening in that fight. You know it. Anybody else that was watching, no. Andre Durrell was getting ready to get beat, knocked out, probably stopped in the next round or two. So they fucking lay out, and Andre Durrell does Andre Durrell and plays bullshit on the mat, just like he did against Abraham. And I realized that was a bit more of an egregious. Far, it was far more egregious. That was far more egregious than that deserved. But that wasn't a very big punch. No. And, <laughs> and he just, you cannot, I'm sorry. Cheating for fucking wins? Like, now, is Andre Durrell the fucking champion now? No, he's not. He's the interim champion. That's the interim champion, right. So, 
Now I have to watch Andre Durrell again do the same thing that he always does in every fight, which is skate the fucking ring. He landed some nice shots, but you can't run and you can't back up into the ropes for an entire fight and expect to win. It's just an uninspired bullshit performance, and I'm, I'm just done with Andre Durrell, man. What I say in the preview, Vin, when the going gets tough, the Durrell brothers get going. Yes, they do. Look, Uzkata guy felt some solid shots from Andre Durrell early in the fight, and through the first five, six rounds, Durrell was, was piecing him with some decent shots. But again, his one-two nature, his one-punch-at-a-time nature, Uskata guy was he, the look on his face reminded me of Ruslan Provodnikov on his rise. Like your punches are tickling me. Stop. Right. You know what I mean? He did not care about that one punch because a guy with Andre Durrell's power is not going to knock anybody of consequence out Mm-mm. with one punch. So if you know that and you are considered a tough, rugged type fighter, like Uskata guy is. He's very much like Elder Alvarez, just this big hulking kind of guy that if you don't piece him up, he's there for you to hit with three and four punch combos. He's right there. So let your fucking hands go, hit him with the three or four punch combo, and then you might get him dazed. That's how you hurt tough guys with big chins. But what does Darrell do? He gets discouraged because he can't hurt him. He gets discouraged, so he does exactly what you just described. Starts falling backwards, falling backwards, falling backwards. Back and and straight up. By about the end of the seventh round, the beginning of that eighth round, dude, I'm telling you right now, <clears throat> he was done. I said Andre Durrell is toast. And as far as the knockout goes, Vin, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm hearing the, the, the apologist side of this, okay? I'm hearing these people saying, oh, he got hit after the bell, the victim crowd uh, being, you know, uh, fronted by Clarissa Shields right now, talking about how, oh, he got cheat shotted. He got cheat shotted. Oh, oh, unk, unk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I'm telling you right now, this is exactly what happened. People can say whatever they want. I agree with you. It should have went to the cards. Very absolute extreme worst case scenario. It should have been a no contest. Yeah. Absolute extreme to me. Here's what happened, and I'll put, I'll, I'll put it very simply. Andre Durrell was getting knocked the fuck out, and then the bell rang. Yeah. That's what happened. Yes. He, uh, in my opinion, that second punch that landed, Durrell was going down. That third, Done. The third punch was not consequential to whether he was going down or not. And it landed at the bell. Yes. Let me ask you this. In the NBA, if you get the shot off before the red light goes off, if the, if, 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 if the basket goes in, the bucket counts, right? Well, we all remember Pacquiao Marquez for it, right? Yeah. That was right at the bell. <laughs> right at the bell. Uskata guy got his shot off before the red light went on. He did. Okay. Yeah, the referee completely botched it. But I'm not surprised. Dude, this is sort of the thing that you can expect from the PBC. We're talking about it. We're focusing on it. They keep putting guys like Andre Durrell into fights of consequence. You are going to wind up with some dirty, grimy shit. Because I'm telling you right now, Jose Uskata guy knocked out Andre Durrell. Apologize for Andre Durrell all you want to. What you're apologizing for is somebody that you won't see back in the ring for another year that gives about as uh, many fucks about boxing as you do. Because if you care about him, you're only tuning into boxing once a year. Clarissa Shields is not helping herself at all. Uh, She is a complete moron. Absolute fucking moron. You're condoning a fucking crime. Hitting a, a def- well, get to the crime first before you get to hurt. Yeah, because you, you get Leon Lawson walks over into the corner of Uskata guy, and while 
<laughs> staring off in this direction, talking to his Loun- trainer. Lounging on the ropes. Yeah. All of a sudden, uh, uh, Joe Frazier, left hook comes out of nowhere now, not near the power, and lands fucking square on the jaw. You couldn't land any more square on the jaw. And, of course, Uzcada guy wears it like it's nothing and dodges the next punch. <laughs> but this is a fu- – I mean, it, I've, it, it, it wasn't near as bad as fucking Bo Galata was back in the day, if you remember that, where yeah. that just fucking erupted. And that could have turned into that. But just a, a complete fucking disgrace. The guy goes on the fucking run. There, it, I, what is going he's, – he's still on the run? Has he been caught? Nobody fucking knows. Hey, man, when, you, when you're when you on that victim side of things, you, you have to make – you have to allow things to go so out of control that people can buy into your narrative what? of Andre Durrell on his knees looking over and saying, what, lay down, do what I do? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, don't worry about it. I'll jump in, throw a punch, and we'll get everybody fucking riled up about this thing. I, I just don't, like – where where's the logic behind what what type of thinking is involved in you thinking that is okay to go do that? Literally sucker punch. If it would have been one thing if he ran over there and fucking swung. That's one thing. But to walk over there and do it the way he did it, that is fucking malicious, dude. This motherfucker should be banned from the sport of boxing. Period. Lifetime ban. That's it. Get the fuck out of here. You're a piece of shit. I think the worst thing, like outside of of Clarissa Shields' Twitter account and just the fact that she's controlling her own Twitter account and what she puts out there is just... What a buffoon. Incomprehensible as it is. It's bad enough, though. I mean, you know what, man? It's She's clearly not smart enough to realize that if there's one family, regardless if they're from the same hometown or not, that I should disassociate myself with, it's the fucking Durrells. Yeah. They're not going to do, what are they going to do for your career? You want to be attached. You want publicity for the rise of, of, of women's boxing because guys like fucking Michael Woods have a hard on for fucking women's boxing. So everybody has to like it. And if you don't, then you, you, you hate women. You know what I mean? Since right. we're being forced to consume this, this is now the poster girl. No. For women's boxing. Absolutely fucking Get the not. fuck out of here and take women's boxing with you. Yeah. Take that boring, unathletic, weak shit and fucking take it outside. Oh, you sexist son of a bitch, you. Has How nothing, dare you? It has nothing to do with it. You it triggered. has to do with the fact that women's boxing is weak. That's that's Weak. It. It's not men or women. It would be like watching fucking men that were midgets fight. It's weak. Yeah, I don't want to watch a second-rate version of of what I can see a top-rate version of. It's not even second-rate. It's like eighth-rate. It's, it's fucking garbage. I'm sorry. And this is your spokesperson for American women's boxing. What an idiot. Is there? I mean, they're... they're Where's cannot, Michaela Mayer when you need her? <laughs> you know what I mean? There could uh. not be more a more ignorant response to have to that situation. You don't condone fucking malicious crimes. You're an idiot. Oh, you... You going to come at me? It was the boys at the next big pod, too. I don't know who runs the next big pod account. I don't know if it's Brian King. I don't know if it's Sam Carp. I don't know if it's Cal. I don't know which one of them it is. But they went right at, him, right at her, and she came back and made a complete ass of herself. And to that, boys, I say, good, good job. Great fucking work. Cheery fucking up. I mean, expose the shit out of the ignorance of this complete dumbass. <laughs> You racist and feminist. That's minus two points. <laughs> That's minus two points, man. 
Oh, man. Plus two where I Just come from. Just fucking call it how it is, and that's exactly how it went. And, uh, Vin, I think Leon Lewis is knocking on the front door as we speak. Well, if it's Leon Lewis, we're all right. But if it's Leon Lawson, we're in trouble. <laughs> oh, man. Whoever. Whatever. As long as it ain't Lennox Lewis. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so all kidding aside, Vin, does this sort of media attention, the variety that this has garnered, help boost the stock of the newly crowned IBF interim super middleweight champion? I'd like to personally thank <laughs> Leon Lawson for quite possibly fucking up what was the start of a good thing. Because I'm sorry, you're a new casino, and that's kind of a, it's got a bit of an upper end feel to it. It's not a, yeah, it's a casino for anybody. If I can go fucking gamble there, anybody can go gamble there. It's not a high roller casino. It's not Rosecroft Raceway is what you're saying. No, and I just don't see a casino like that wanting shit like that going on in their beautiful establishment. It's, I'm sorry, you may have just cost boxing fans some fights at the MGM National Harbor. Thank you, sir. Dude, you saw how fast that police report was filed and and then transmitted across social media. Yeah. I mean, dude, they did not hesitate. No, they did not. Leon fled the scene of the crime. I'm I'm sure that casino loved that cops were all over it last night looking for Leon Lawson. (laughs) Sure, that was good for business. (laughs) Leon ain't hiding. He's sitting at the penny slots. (laughs) He's blending. Blending in with all them blue hairs. <laughs> yeah, they ain't going to do nothing if I'm surrounded by a bunch of white ladies. <laughs> Little old white ladies. Oh, man. God, what a fucking debacle, man. What a debacle. I love it, though. I love it. It's boxing, baby. Makes the Delivers shit. on so many levels, doesn't it? Yeah. And we're just exploiting it. You know, that's what we do for our own own personal gains. Yeah, it's, yeah we've got we're 63 cents that the Spreaker owes us right now. Yeah, man. <laughs> the show's made 63 cents. <laughs> Fucking pathetic. <laughs> it's obvious. Hey, man, everybody gets to start somewhere. <laughs> I guess. <clears throat> All right. Well, um, that does it from the festivities at the MGM National Harbor. Quite a weekend. Quite a weekend of boxing. What a spectrum. How, wait a second. Wait, wait, did you watch Benavidez uh, Medina yet? Did you watch that fight? Yes, I did. That was a hell of a fight, boy. That was a hell of a fight. And I tell you what, Benavidez, um, he has all the tools, man. He does. I mean, he's not the most polished in his skills as far as, like, does he throw everything in an ideal fashion? No, absolutely not. But there's so much hate and malice. He's like a gigantic version of Oscar Valdez. Just relentless, throws mm. all the punches, and he's always in fifth gear. Always. I, I am a fucking huge fan of David Benavides now. That performance, and and respect to Porky Medina. He's one tough son of a bitch and, and stayed in that fight as long as he could and fought hard. David Benavides is a man already in that ring. He is going to be a handful for whoever ever wants to get in the ring with him. He's going to have a hard time getting fighters in the ring, I think. Well, I I think it sounds like a perfect opportunity for an in-house matchup to be made between David Benavidez and uh, one Jimmy DeGale. How does old Jimmy DeGale look after the way that David Benavidez handled 
uh, his toughest challenger to date in Porky Medina? Uh, I think Porky took him uh, to the edge, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he did. Uh, yeah. I, look, I've, I said it last episode. Jimmy DeGale's a good fighter. Jimmy DeGale's a little overrated. He's a lot overrated. <laughs> he's a lot overrated. Yeah, David Benavidez does what he's supposed to, completely overshadowed by uh, the shenanigans that was this weekend. Before we jump over into the Pacific Rim of uh, the boxing universe, then, I got to say, from the two big providers of boxing entertainment in the world today in Showtime and HBO, I did not expect this weekend to deliver what it did. I expected it to be exciting in spots, no doubt about it. But... The gauntlet, the spectrum of emotions of of just from one opposite end of what could possibly happen in this crazy game of professional boxing, HBO and Showtime outdid themselves because it was a variety show, to say the least. Yeah, it was a gong show at times. Uh, it was everything that boxing is, man. You, you never know what this sport is going to deliver. It, it delivers some of the weirdest, strangest moments in sports history, the fan man, Bo Galata, yeah. the, uh, just last year, Juan Manuel Lopez and and uh, the trainer, I can't remember who he's fighting now. He he comes, the trainer of the fighter comes at him in the corner. They're throwing blows. I mean, this sport, I, I'll say this, man, and and boxing has to be careful as to, as to how mainstream it becomes because if this loud, annoying group of people put their eyes on the sport and start to dissect it uh, the way that it could be and ridiculed the way that it could be, I don't know if this sport could survive in the mainstream. Some of the knockouts we saw that we've seen this year, some of the bullshit that we're seeing in ring, it's just not a mainstream sport. It can't be. It cannot be. Advertisers don't want anything to do with shit like that. The mainstream was late to the party. But they definitely chimed in on the shenanigans and the Uskata guy Durrell fight. I wake up this morning, and, you know, one of the first things anybody does who is dialed into boxing on Twitter, you get right on Twitter, first thing. I'm sitting there fucking taking a big old steamy morning dump after, <laughs> <clears throat> after a night of epic barbecue. Those honey pecan wings, Ooh. they will stir up a nice coiled round one. <laughs> so as I'm sitting there uh, pushing and pushing, I'm reading my Twitter account, and uh, guess who chimes in on it? Colin Cowherd with a clip of the video. Oh, does he? Yeah. Oh, yeah Colin's yeah. got something to say, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. His secretary uh, uh, tuned him onto it this morning. <laughs> Great. I know you can't wait. No. Please give it to me. Yeah. Imagine if our show, like you just said, if this show, the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast, had the same sort of directness and real talk that we have here on this show. Substitute you and I for Stephen A. and Skip talking about the same exact things in the same exact tone. Boxing would be over in a week. <laughs> it would. There's no doubt about it, brother. In a week, they'd be like, what? Oh, they just hating? I mean, Skip's in it. I, those those three, all three of them, the biggest fucking clowns in sports, man. Yeah, but Tannen got something to say, too. <laughs> Make sure I'm not choking on my tongue. Oh, man, man. But then you and I have not truly ascended yet. No. We will. It's only a matter of time, brother. Like Ter- Terrell Owens said, it's only a matter of time. 
It's only a matter of time. It's my quarterback. <laughs> All right. So um, from, I guess, the mainstream boxing to uh, a little bit more of the obscure diehard variety. Hassan Endam versus Ryoti Murata from uh, Japan for the vacant. For the vacant. For one more time, the vacant. Vacant. WBA regular middleweight title. Now, Vin, in the lead up, the preview of this fight, you you talked about, we talked about the the conversation surrounding why the WBA would take a belt that was absorbed with the the entire premise being that the reason that Gennady Golovkin and Daniel Jacobs would fight was because it was a mandatory to consolidate the middleweight division. So when it came out that all of a sudden Triple G vacated the regular title, <laughs> right? And it was going to be between Hassan Endam and Ryoti Murata. Mm-hmm. What did you say, my friend? You said that, no, Ken, this is because Gilberto Mendoza and the WBA wants their hands in the Asian market. They want their hands in the Asian part of the pie. Guess who was the most outraged and insulted boxing person in the universe after Ryoti Murata got robbed by Hassan Endam? All of a sudden, huh? Oh, Gilberto. Gilberto Mendoza. Dude, him coming out in the way that he did and so blindly showing where his bias was and exactly where the greed, the focus of the greed of the WBA lied, which you fucking called out seven days ago. Gilberto Mendoza proves you genius venture Thomas <laughs> I I I was shocked then that was a you want to talk robbery in boxing that was a robbery and Dom had no business winning that fight he was knocked down twice one of which was counted he was beaten thoroughly in the latter half of the fight thoroughly there's just no absolutely no way I he at best at best, Endom was man, three points from winning the fight, at best. And, and the way that, that Mendoza reacts afterwards to me is like, oh, look look who's ready to fucking jump up on their fucking soapbox now. Huh? You got something to say now, don't you? It just the, it proves what type of fucking people these are. I, I'm sorry. Uh, Gilberto Mendoza is trash. He imme- He's trash. immediately goes on a rant that, Yes, this should be an immediate rematch. He's exactly right. Because he did get robbed. He got robbed. But he's doing it for other reasons. There's so many other fights where this, where any, any one of these sanctioning body leaders could have come out and said something along the lines of what he did last night. But it doesn't happen. You know why? Because they pick and choose. Just like they pick and choose when they want to enforce rules and, and what rules stand for certain fighters and not for others. They do the they do the same exact thing here. It's an outrage when it doesn't go their fucking way, and it should have gone their way. I understand that. That's not the point of this fucking argument. The point of the argument is they obviously proved where they where they wanted their where their shit lied. It was on the Asian side of the fence. Yeah, their allegiances were clear then. Yes, you know, uh, crystal clear. And once again, not that there wasn't enough, you know. Uh, of a dark cloud that that hangs over a fight where you have a guy who's on the rise and a has-been and Hassan Endam fighting for, you know, even if it is for the regular title, at least it would be for the next step opportunity mm-hmm. for whoever were to win this fight. 
Murata was jobbed. There's no doubt about it. The fact that he was jobbed in his hometown is fucking bizarre to me. It's weird. <clears throat> Absolutely bizarre to me. Gilberto Mendoza's behavior at the end of this fight, irreprehensible. I'm telling you right now, we've been pretty hard on the WBA. We've been pretty hard on Gilberto Mendoza. I snuck it in during your rant there, Vin. He's trash. He is. He is. He is trash. He is one of the many plagues. If you could get rid of with the with you know the momentum that boxing has right now uh, behind promoters that know how to promote, like Eddie Hearn and Oscar De La Hoya, Bob Arum, and company, these people know how to promote. If you if you if you cut out the little cancers like Lou DiBella, Gilberto Mendoza, Mauricio Suleiman, Usada, Al Heyman, if you you know what I mean, if, yeah. you, if you were able to remove these parts of the sport, it would already be in such a better better frame of mind yeah look I, I when i saw his tweets last night my my reaction was was just this uh I, I, your outrage to me is misguided sir because to me what i saw happen in the ring with those scorecards mr mendoza is in line exactly in line with how your business operates outside of the ring fucked up it was fucked up the decision was fucked up it is what it is but come on, man. Come on, man. It, 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 the, the outrage here is just, it, it's so fucking ridiculous to me and just proves furthermore what the, the type of organization that the WBA is. I'm sorry. Boxing doesn't need social justice warriors. Can we just get rid of them? <clears throat> can we just stop recognizing the WBA? We can. I, I, look, I, I, I'm not going to recognize their belt anymore. Fine. You have it. Sorry. You're a good fighter, but fuck the WBA. Until they can prove that they can operate under under some sort of fucking standards and and, and follow some fucking path that is not just you know, let's make it up as we go with whoever the fighter is. I'm sorry, man. It's complete and utter fucking bullshit. But if we don't recognize the WBA anymore, right? Does that force us to have to substitute it with the IBO? No. Because then we would be we would be recognizing Chris Eubank. No, that's yeah, that's exactly <laughs> why it's not happening. Oh man. <laughs> oh Gilberto, Gilberto, Gilberto. Yeah. I didn't even think it was humanly possible to shit on your own chest. <laughs> did you? No. And he did it. Man, that thing wound up. Too. I know Manson had some ribs cut out to suck his own dick, but I don't know <laughs> what Mendoza did to be able to shit on his own chest. oh man the wba is dead vince hey they are to me brother but the tale of the tape boxing podcast lives on my friend we're like a phoenix brother we rise from the ashes (laughs) we're like the sound of my voice rising from uh one too many bong hits that's what it does sound like you all right jeez Man, that's all right, man. I'll get it back as we make our comeback for episode 165 when we preview the big one, Ben. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's time to see if Errol Spence is really the truth. Yes, indeed. So tune in next week for episode 165. In the meantime, be sure to drop by theboxingrant.com today and subscribe to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast on iTunes, Spreaker, and Google Play. And, of course, subscribe to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. And stay tuned this week as Vin and I drop a new segment 
on the Boxing Rant YouTube channel as we bring you little short, quick hit videos in a new series titled Flash Knockdown. Watch out now. Watch out now. So until episode 165, thanks for listening to the tale of the tape on theboxingrant.com. Muchas gracias, everybody.